Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is December 28th, 2021, and our first story People are fleeing from Democrat states and moving in droves to red states. One woman writes on Twitter, she's wondering why it is that progressives dominate California and have billions of dollars, yet homelessness and crime run rampant. People are starting to wake up to the failed policies of the left and the Democrats. In our next story, a viral video shows NYPD demanding the papers of a five-year-old and kicking out him and his family from a restaurant. Things are getting crazy in New York. And in our last story, controversy surrounding the transgender swimmer escalates, with a USA swimming official saying that transgender swimmer in this instance is ruining the sport and it must stop. Now, if you like the show, give us a good review, share the show with your friends. But now, let's get into that first story. In a viral thread on Twitter, a woman named Michelle Tandler, a progressive, asks why it is that California has so much money, billions of dollars, and progressive domination, yet they still can't solve any of their problems. Homelessness, worse than ever, crime skyrocketing, people generally suffering, human waste in the streets. How could this be? California is run by Democrats who claim that they're fighting for all of these causes. They have billions of dollars. They win every election. They outnumber Republicans two to one. So what is it? Many Democrats, moderate liberal types, are starting to wake up and realize it's not the other. It's not the Republicans. It's the Democrats. They're lying. They're not solving these problems. Nothing is getting done. And now we are seeing the results of this. A mass exodus from blue states to red states. Now, isn't that interesting? It could be good news. It could be bad news, depending on your perspective. There's one individual who says that he's progressive or liberal and that he doesn't like the politics of Florida. But clearly what happened where he lives isn't working in in his blue state. So he's got to go to Florida. And people are rightfully pointing out, how could you complain about the politics you are fleeing, but then try and argue the politics of where you're going are worse? That makes no sense. So here's the good news. People who are like minded, people who believe in freedom are getting away from these failed states and rejecting failed Democrat policy. They're moving to places like Texas and Florida. But the bad news is many of these people may actually just be liberals and progressives now living in their squalor that they voted for over and over again. And they're going to bring those policies right along with them. I don't know for sure. If I was to make an assessment, I would say that most of the people fleeing are probably more moderate or right leaning. 
And there's one poll showing that independents favor Republicans two to one in the midterms. They're not going to be voting Democrat. And this is where things get more worrisome to me. I've often talked about conflict, cold civil war, whatever you want to call it, the fourth turning, internal conflict. And as Bill Maher stated, there can't be a civil war in this country because the Mason-Dixon line would run through Nana's kitchen, as he liked to say. The idea being, we can't really get into a hot civil war. Sure, we can be polarized and fighting, but it's you arguing with your grandmother. That's not going to be a fight, right? It's, it's kids arguing with their parents. But what happens when people who are staunch Democrats living in the matrix, not realizing in California, you have a Democrat supermajority. The problems you face are caused by them. They don't see it. They don't realize it. They'll stay there. What about the people in New York under these harsh mandates where the police are coming in and arresting, arresting people and asking children for their papers? They're totally fine living there. They're totally fine empowering a state to carry out these edicts. But there are many people who are polarized in the other direction or becoming polarized who are leaving and saying, I don't want to live this way. And thus, ideological polarization, the line running through Nana's kitchen is shifting. It's becoming geographical polarization. And if this trend continues, then you will have very, very different ideologies across state lines. And then the Mason-Dixon line is simple whatever you want to call it, Bill Maher, the line dividing us will be territorial. And that's when problems can erupt. But I don't think that we're looking at the apocalypse. I'm not saying it's a guaranteed outcome. I'm saying we must change trajectories. It's actually possible people wake up to this. We even had Jennifer Rubin, who claims to be conservative, but she's a never Trumper, talking about how Omicron isn't that bad. And you're starting to see these Democrats wake up and say, this is not right. Maybe they will take back the party from the capital, the, 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 the crony capitalist elites. Maybe they'll take the party back from the extremist, woke, whatever. Or maybe they'll flee to red states. And maybe the red states will turn bluer and then the whole country will shift in the wrong direction and then people fight. I don't know, but it's happening. Now, I want to read for you this thread from Michelle Tandler talking about What's going on in California showing you that there are Democrats, moderate liberals waking up. But I want to start with the hard data. What's happening in the United States? We have this from American Experiment talking about Minnesota losing residents and then a graph showing just how serious the exodus is from the deep blue states into the more red states. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member and help support our work. As a member, you are funding the journalists at TimCast.com who are writing all of this amazing journalism and fact checking, figuring out what's going on. As a member, you'll get access to exclusive members only podcasts like the TimCast IRL podcast. We have a ton of behind the scenes conversations, uncensored conversations with your support. We can keep doing this work, but don't forget to also smash that like button right now. Subscribe to this channel if you have not already and share this show with your friends wherever you can. That is the most important and powerful thing you can do to help out our work. But let's read what's going on with these states. The first thing I want to show you, just this graph right here, this chart. California lost 367,299 people. New York lost 352,185 people. Illinois lost 122,460 people. Next up is the states who gained. Florida gained 220,890. Texas gained 170,307. Arizona next up with 93,000. Now, what's interesting here is 
As people flee California and New York, they're not all rushing to Florida. They're spreading out among many different states. The big blue states are in free fall. Why? Failed policy. People are starting to wake up and they're saying enough. Now, in this article from American Experiment, they specifically highlight Minnesota saying, Minnesota lost 13,453 residents to other states in 2021, the most in more than 30 years. So let's take a look at this chart again and talk about what may be driving people to leave these areas. Well, Minnesota lost a decent amount of people, 13,500 just about. Could it be the George Floyd riots? Could it be the chaos and the violence? Could it be the Kim Potter trial, the Derek Chauvin trial? Yeah, maybe. Maybe there they're saying, look, this is too crazy for us. And here's what you really need to understand. Population density. These states like Minnesota or Maryland, they're losing all of these people. They're not as populous as California. California, I think, is what, around 35 million people. So losing hundreds of thousands is massive. Losing tens of thousands in a smaller state is also massive. But you take a look at California and New York, and it seems to me, it's my assumption, would be that COVID policies, harsh lockdowns, and extremism from the state are driving people away, and they're thirsting for freedom, which is why Florida and Texas are the top two states. Florida and Texas, open for business. Live your life. Do your thing. Now, I don't know if this is going to result in extreme geographical polarization. I think it contributes to it. But again, it could be Democrats leaving these states. In 2020, we saw something interesting. The same thing, basically. In 2020, the top outbound state was Illinois. Then New York, California, New Jersey, Maryland. But we can see you also have Michigan. Michigan on the list. Why? I think COVID policy is fairly obvious. During the lockdown, people said, I don't want to live in these places. They also mentioned here at North American Moving Services, that's done the data, property taxes. 2018 property taxes in Illinois are insanely high. And people seem to be moving to areas, well, it's probably not fair to say based on property tax. I, I do think it's interesting. However, no, I think, the, I think the issue here is COVID policy. I think it's absolutely COVID policy and failed Democrat policy. And we can get into all of this. The first thing I want to mention, though, when it comes to COVID, we have this story from LX.com, NBC. Which states saw the most COVID deaths in 2021? America's least vaccinated. Oh, no. The least vaccinated states. And you can see that Florida is actually in the top of the list of deaths per capita. It's interesting. So they say, I don't know, maybe, maybe people disagree with this, don't like the data. I don't care. I don't think it matters. In fact, I think this is a very powerful statement. People would choose dangerous freedom over totalitarian security. Let me stress for you, for you again. When you see Florida being as listed as one of the higher death rates, you see the states that are considered to be the most dangerous, the ones that are gaining new residents. People are willing to take risks to live freely. Not in New York. Not in New York, not in California, not in Illinois. No, Illinois just announced they're doing their mandates, their vaccine mandates for businesses. I'm sorry, Chicago did. And so you have people in New York, you had a guy just get arrested at a Burger King. The people behind the counter are like, please leave me alone. I don't want to be involved. They don't want to stand up for what they believe in. They don't know. They don't care. That's going to be the kind of person that remains in those states. The kind of person that just serves the state without question. Well, the people who are leaving these states are the people who are more likely to choose for themselves. Yeah, I think it's going to contribute to geographical polarization, which brings me to the thread from Michelle Tandler. 
a wake up call from Democrats telling them, please pay attention. Now, as many of you know, the left and the media likes to say Tim Pool, right wing conservative. It's really funny because every single person I have on my on Timcast IRL is like, dude, you're not a conservative. Yeah. So what makes it that a person is a conservative? Well, it used to be that a conservative believed in traditional values. And if you do, then you are, you know, I don't know what, fighting for traditional marriage and families or whatever. And progressives are all about, you know, um, cultural revolution, transgender rights, things like that. Okay, well, I don't completely disagree with the left on many of those issues. In fact, I argue in, in favor of many of the left's ideas when it comes to, say, systemic racism. So then what actually makes someone a conservative? Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. If you call out the Democrats for burning their states to the ground, yes, Nancy Pelosi is trash. Joe Biden is trash. Mitch McConnell is trash. Lindsey Graham, they're all bad. They're all bad. But when you point out that Democrats control the cultural institutions, or at least their allies do, and that they've run California, New York, and Illinois into the ground, you must be conservative because the progress that the left claims to be after, the progressives, is What's going on in California? Is that progress? All right. Well, I'll tell you what. If progress to you is skyrocketing crime, homelessness, human feces in the streets, then I guess I'm not progressive. But I don't think that's true. I don't think that's what progressive is. I think progressive is supposed to be fighting for civil rights and being nice to each other, respecting each other and bringing about world peace. It's not, though. Let's be real. It's just a name. It's the name of a political tribe. They want power. Their states are being burned to the ground, figuratively and literally. They want power. Well, for too long, many moderates, liberals, Democrat types did not pay attention, which brings me to the thread from Michelle Tandler. She writes on Substack. This is a tweet thread that I wrote on December 26th. It is 1,998 words, which Grammarly says is seven minutes and 57 second read time. If you have thoughts or reactions, please comment below. Well, you know me, I talk really fast. I'm pretty sure I can read through this much faster than in seven minutes. Michelle writes, here's what confuses me about San Francisco. We have the most liberal left-wing government and population in the country. We have a $13 billion budget and we have 8,000 people sleeping in the rain this week. Can someone please explain this to me? Well, I'll pause there and say, yeah, I can. You see, the people of California went to the voting booth and decided to start a fire. The fire then burned down several parts of the state. And then next year, these same people said, hmm, well, when we start a fire this time, it'll be different. My point is, if you keep voting for the same thing over and over again, and your problems aren't getting solved, yo, that's the definition of insanity, according to the internet. To stick your hand in the fire and get burned and go, ouch, 
Let me do it again. Stick your hand in the fire once again and think this time the fire won't burn me. I'm sorry. That's not how it works. Michelle writes, what do progressives stand for exactly? I thought it was about making things more fair, about standing up for the little guy, about human rights, equality, equity, compassion. San Francisco looks like the least compassionate city on the planet. Yeah. How about that? The slums of Mumbai look cleaner than the streets of downtown SF. SF. This isn't just the Tenderloin. It's Soma, parts of Mission, Dogpatch. We have thousands of people wandering around looking like they're on the brink of death. This is why people use the term zombie. I have been a registered Democrat for 18 years. I grew up in a progressive family and went to a progressive school and have mostly progressive friends. Yet what I see in SF, if this is, if this is what progressives stand for, I want the opposite. Well, now, 18-year Democrat, Miss Michelle, you must be far right. No, let's be real. She's a real person, noticing real problems, asking real questions. What do we stand for? Michelle, I stand for everything you stand for. I want people to live better lives. I want people to not be homeless. I want to help them. I want to get the streets cleaned up. No more, no more human waste. I want it to be sustainable. I want to help provide. What the Democrats are doing is none of that. Now, Republicans don't do that, but don't claim to. Republicans are, or at least tend to be in many ways, the social Darwinists. Let the strong survive, or at least they used to be. Now you're getting populists moving over to the Republican side because they're like the Democrats are just burning everything to the ground. And, you're, and people are starting to realize it. She goes on to say the words used here, harm reduction, housing first, criminal justice, social justice, equity. They don't align with what I'm seeing at all. Our strategy might as well be called harm increased, housing last, victim injustice, social injustice, and unfairness. This, this is the message. Social injustice, unfairness. She says, yesterday I went for a drive in the rain. This is what is happening in San Francisco right now. I am sorry to force readers of this thread to bear witness to this, but I think it's important to acknowledge what we're all ignoring. I can't tell you how many videos I've done. The plague back in California. Yeah. Where is our $13 billion going exactly? How do we only have 3,000 shelter beds when 8,000 are unsheltered in the streets? How is this an American city? I just finished the book San Francisco. If you care about San Francisco, if you care about our cities, if you care about America, give it a read. Here's the problem, Michelle. You're voting for people who don't care about America. There's two kinds. Some that want power. You vote for them and they say, I don't know, I'll just uh, use my position in Congress to pass laws that favor the stocks I purchase or give me advanced knowledge of changes in the industry, which can I, I can use to monetize like Nancy Pelosi. Or you get people who say that America is evil inherently and they want to burn it all to the ground. And from the ashes of the old, they will build anew. That's who you're voting for when you vote progressive. She says, I'm starting to develop a seriously dark view of the progressive politicians in charge of our town. They have absolute power, act like a regime, and talk often how broken the system is. Are the homeless their foot soldiers, mascots, mercenaries? You have to wonder, with the funds we have as a city, state, and nation, is this situation on purpose? Well, I certainly think so. She goes on. We saw what SF was capable of when the pandemic hit. We had testing sites up in days, hotels converted into shelter, funds flowing it. Here we are. Is this nefarious? I'm going to pause and say, yes. Isn't it obvious? Progressives tend to blame Republicans for almost everything. Yet here we are, not a Republican in sight, and I think we may be the most damaged city on the planet. Nowhere is, such, is there such inequality. I've never seen destitution at this scale. 
So here are my questions to progressives. What do we what do you stand for? What do you believe? What are your strengths as a political group? Weaknesses? Why, after decades of progressive rule in SF, are 8,000 people in the streets? Why do we have the highest overdose rate in the nation? Why do we have the highest property crime rate? Why do we have fewest children per capita? What are the biggest wins of progressives in SF? What are progressives most proud of here? Who are the strongest public servants of the progressive party? Why do you think we should continue on this path? Recently, I've been having flashbacks to junior year when I ran for class representative and lost by five votes. My opponent promised candy vending machines, parties, all kinds of fun things. He won and didn't do a darn thing all year. Of course. Thought experiment. What would San Francisco look like if Republicans were in charge, if moderates ran things? If we had two party rule instead of one, downtown is boarded up. The children of the Tenderloin are begging the mayor to arrest drug dealers. Our school system is on the brink of state takeover. Our DA is completely over his skis and a defender at heart. We are in crisis. And yes, we voted for this. We know. We probably have more Black Lives Matter signs up than any city in the nation. 40% of our homeless people are black. Do their lives matter? Or is this just about virtue signaling and moral grandstanding? This past Thursday afternoon, I dialed into the Board of Supervisors meeting about the emergency order to refund the police. Our board sat through 10 hours of debate and public comment. It was astonishing. Caller after caller saying defund the police. Well, I'll tell you this. Oh, I know what what world you get when you defund the police. And I got to say, I'm more in line with defunding the police after what we saw in New York City. I know full well what could come. But when you have a combination of recklessness and you have to uh, adding on top of that crime, recklessness and police abuse. I don't care. She goes, she goes on to say the number one advocate for the homeless, Jennifer Friedenbach, called in to say vote no on black lives don't matter. She is the head of the coalition SF and has for decades fought against shelters, saying they warehouse people. She is for housing first. Well, here we are. I would really like to know if she stands by her advocacy. I personally believe she is the person most responsible for this tragedy unfolding in our streets. But we are all responsible. We are allowing this insanity. I'd also like to know why the loudest voices right now against changing our approach are all white progressive women. We have Kate Chatfield from the DA's office, Jennifer Friedenbach from COH, Hillary Ronan of D8, all yelling about defunding the police. What is this about? It's amazing, isn't it? The policies put forth by white progressive women are causing these problems. So saith a white moderate woman. I can't tell you exactly why or what, but women tend to be uh, millennial women are more likely to be Democrat than millennial men, though it's not that big of a difference around 20 or so percent. She says, I've been thinking a lot recently about the concept of civic duty. What is our responsibility as a citizenry? What is civil society? What does it mean to contribute to your neighborhood, city, state, nation? One of my friends recently woke up to find a homeless person sleeping on the front step of her multi-million dollar home. I asked her what she did. We closed the blinds. I think this is such a metaphor for what's going on here. San Francisco turning its head. That's right. I am just so confused. If progressives believe in big government, then why aren't they doing the bare minimum? The minimum that even F.A. Hayek spoke of in The Road to Serfdom in 1944. He's a famous libertarian. He believed in providing food, shelter, and clothing. It's amazing, isn't it? She goes on to mention, maybe it's tribalism. Hate Inc. from Matt Taibbi. Excellent book. Maybe. But I don't like playing this game. When people say Republicans do it and the right does it and the left does it and Tim Pool only criticizes the left. I don't like Republicans. I like the libertarians. Not all of them. Mises caucus guys are all right. 
Donald Trump was a populist. He agreed with Bernie Sanders on so much. And there's an opportunity to engage. But let me explain to all of you guys. There are good people on the left. Crystal Ball, Kyle Klinsky, big fan. Don't agree with a lot of their politics, but they're good people. Watch their content. They get things wrong. Jimmy Dore, one of the best. Clearly on the left. But the issue is we're all willing to call out the establishment. We're all willing to call out the lies and the manipulation because we all want the world to be better. We just disagree on how to get there. But then you get other groups. I'm not going to name them. High profile Democrat personalities on YouTube who do not operate in good faith. And there are certainly people on the right who are similar, but they're not that big. Steven Crowder operates in good faith. He absolutely does. I disagree with him on policy quite a bit, but we agree on reality. We agree on facts. We do fact checking. We do research. We don't agree on everything when it comes to data and research, but we agree to have honest conversations. I think Jimmy Dore is the same way. The left hates him. When you look at this article, you start to understand it's not about left and right. It's about Rachel Maddow, the lying, manipulating press, those who walk in lockstep with them and those who challenge the machine. I see Crystal Ball, Kyle Kalinske and Jimmy Dore as people who challenge the machine. Well, we disagree on some policies. That's fine. But we all want to challenge that machine. We all want, I think, pretty, pretty sure we're all opposed to the wars and the conflict and we want peace. We want the water to be working in this country. We want people to have clean drinking water, food, shelter. And there are a variety of ways we can go about doing that. But we can have those conversations when someone's acting in good faith. But what about when these politicians simply, well, they just want power? You see, here's the problem. When you have certain individuals on the left that believe that voting for these people will solve these problems, even if we think they are good people, you get more of these problems. That's why I think it's so amazing to see this article from uh, Michelle basically saying, we want the opposite of what the progressives are doing then you're going to have to vote against them, to be honest. And you might not get exactly what you want. She ends the article by saying, my mind is swirling a bit. Could use some help and insight. I'm clearly quite upset about what I'm seeing in my backyard, both here in SF, but also more broadly in our country. If you have any ideas or you relate, please do share. There's another post. This by a man named Hari Raghaven. Hari on Twitter is a loyalist to some, some causes. He says a builder abstract ops co. And sure. He doesn't say he's an angel investor. He tweets. So here we go. I'm moving out of the Bay Area. This is obviously not a fresh opinion, but the framing may be slightly controversial. My biggest reason is that I believe the Bay Area is no longer the best crucible for the American dream. This is not an FSF post. This is a saddened recap of what could have been. I've had a tremendous time here, which had nothing to do with tech or startups. It had to do with my family, the people, the food, the culture, the debates, the nature. He goes on to mention that he is, in fact, moving to Florida. He says, this is such a cliche, but we're moving to Miami. I know there's plenty to be apprehensive about. Worse politics from our perspective, its own superficiality, weather issues, critters, guns, but lots to love about food, warmth, service industry, vibrancy. I'm sure we'll find plenty to complain about. Maybe not because we'll hopefully, hopefully we'll be less neurotic, but we're eager for a new chapter and mint a new identity for ourselves. Here's to the newest corner of the world where... Upstarts are gathering. Ali Beth Stuckey responds, how? How do you write everything you just did and conclude that Florida has worse politics than SF? Clearly, that's not true. Or you wouldn't be moving there. Florida Dems will do the same thing to Miami that California Dems did to SF. My goodness. 
fact. From the Daily Mail, L.A. County Sheriff slams woke San Francisco D.A. Chase Bowden for flying in the face of common sense by calling crackdown on out-of-control smash-and-grab thefts a knee-jerk reaction. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. California, in my opinion, is just burning to the ground. And then you have this one. The worst NYC crimes committed in 2021 are thanks to shaky bail reform law. This is progressive policy, and it may be contributing to people fleeing the state. But I'm not here to advocate for the right or the left. No, I have my opinions, and they don't necessarily fall into any category, to be completely honest. Probably more slightly left on a lot of issues, but also rooted in reality, like true stories, such as Joe Biden was withholding U.S. aid to Ukraine in an effort to get a prosecutor fired because the prosecutor, or I should say, to get a prosecutor fired, who was investigating Burisma, where his son was on the board? Draw your conclusions on intent. It's true. Just look at Matt Taibbi's reporting on the issue. But the left doesn't believe it. Now, I'll tell you this. I think bail reform is the right move. And I would personally rather live with the risks. I would rather have risky freedom than totalitarian security. But here's the problem. What if you have totalitarian risk? What if, it, what if you have anarcho-tyranny? New York is a place that institutes their bail reform, which puts more criminals on the street. Now, on the surface, I can say you should not lock people up without proving guilt. Now, if there are, there are some exceptions, if someone's a violent criminal, there's probable cause. OK, well, then you're remanded out of a fear for people's safety. It's a difficult line to figure out where we draw the line, innocent until proven guilty. The problem is that in New York, you can't keep and bear arms. You can't defend yourself. You have a tyrannical state that will lock you up, that will shut you down, that will kick your five-year-old child out of a restaurant because he doesn't have his papers on him. And then they will release criminals onto the streets. You will be the victim of crimes, both from the state and from the criminal population. Now, who would want to live there? You see, herein lies the problem. The policies are meaningless. They're just trying to placate enough people to get enough votes to stay in power. You need only look at Bill de Blasio dancing with his wife in Times Square last year while you were forced to stay home, barred from coming. Isn't that creepy? And why don't these Democrats realize it? Why don't these moderates realize it? Why do people keep falling for these tricks? Well, they're trapped in the bubble, man. They're trapped in the matrix. So it's your job to red pill them, I guess, sharing videos like this, having calm, rational and peaceful conversations. Don't insult them. You see, this is what really frustrates me about so many people on the Internet, especially many people on the right. And the, it really is the left. Come on, let's be real. I think the problem is there are many people who are unwilling to try to convert to convert. You know, you saw the drama I had on Timcast IRL. I asked one of our guests, I don't want to rehash, but I just asked him, don't you think you should approach people with compassion? And he said, no, I don't care. I don't care about their problems. They're fake problems. And I'm like, okay, you don't want to solve anything. You just want others to suffer. 
Misery loves company. Crabs in a bucket, whatever you want to call it. People want to feel, if I'm suffering, you should suffer too. I'll tell you how I feel. If I'm doing well, I want you to do well too. That's how I, that's how I feel. You know, my, my worldview is a rising tide, lifts all ships. If I see someone who's, who's in trouble and I can help them, I'll try. Then you have the other side of the coin. The people who think, if my life sucks, yours should too. And I think that is a big divider in the culture war. You have many people on the left. I'll, I'll give you an example. Elon Musk. They say he's worth $200 billion. The richest man on the planet. Why? Because he started a company called Tesla. The company makes money, you know, but does it make billions of dollars? No. But the investors who buy the stock have driven the price up because everybody wants a piece of Tesla. Thus, Elon Musk ends up being worth around $200 billion. They say he's the richest man on the planet and he's not paying taxes. Well, he's not paying taxes because he didn't make any money, but they don't get it. They don't care. So Elon Musk says, fine. He sells off a good portion of his stock, makes around, I think, $36 billion or so, pays $11 billion in taxes, saying, there, I paid more taxes than anyone in history. And what happens? They attack him again. New posts, new rage. Well, it's still not enough. Give it all up. What's he supposed to do? Elon Musk sells all his houses. Then someone says, yeah, but he's living with a rich friend. He sold all his houses. Then Elon Musk says, fine, I'll, I'll give $11 billion to the government. And they say, not enough. Stop bragging. You, you're, you're, you're not giving enough. Even though Elon Musk is only getting that money from the sale of the stock. He doesn't have it in cash. They don't care. They just say, I want you to suffer. It's a cruel and sick world. And I can't, I, I, can, I certainly think there's a lot of conservatives who are also bad people. And they want you to suffer. These are the people who laugh and, and chortle when people die. I'm not a fan at all. I don't, I, I, when I see the left, that guy Aaron Danielson got shot and killed in Portland. And they all started cheering and clapping and laughing. Disgusting. Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And Donald Trump said, sorry to hear it. She was a tremendous woman. Really? Donald Trump. That's right. And that's why I don't hate the guy. I like Donald Trump. I'm the biggest Trump fan in the world. I think he's a he's kind of an a-hole. I think there's a lot of things about him. He's a bad guy. But I think he's nice. I think he's generous. But I also think he's a hothead. I've heard the stories. He goes down to his businesses. He has $100 bills to everybody. Because he's rich, he can. Because he's generous. But he's also kind of a, he's kind of a dick, right? So I'm not the biggest fan of the guy for those reasons. But if even Donald Trump can say nice things about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, on, on, online and in person in an interview, why does there have to be people gloating and laughing and mocking her demise? Here's the challenge. As we sit here saying we want everyone's lives to be better, you have many people on the left who want to make your life worse. They tell you that the right wants to make your life worse, but the right is fractured. They don't do anything. The Republicans obstruct. The Democrats in office don't care. And that's why SF is burning to the ground. And then you have leftists who are just like, if my life's going to suck, so is yours. And no amount of money you give, no amount of taxes paid will ever appease people who are just looking to make you feel pain. That is not everyone on the left. As I mentioned, you've got good people like Jimmy Dore, Crystal Ball, Kyle Kalinske. I shout them out as often as I can or, or regularly. But there is a dominant establishment culture. And many on the left, even the good people, 
play into it and support it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and support those who are gloating over death or the Republican establishment. No, I want change. I want a populist to get in. If that's Donald Trump, so be it if it upends the establishment. And I know he's not perfect. And I'll try to tell people to do better, to be better. But so long as people keep blindly just believing Democrats are going to save you, your cities and your states will fall apart and you'll be forced to flee. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. A horrifying viral video shows a small child in a restaurant being surrounded by NYPD who demand his papers, please. And this is so similar to what we saw in Austria. Videos came out a few weeks ago where these Austrian cops were walking up to people doing vaccine card checks. And now it's happening in New York City. And I, I can't say I'm surprised. And I, 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 don't, I don't like to be in this position. I'd like to make videos where I'm like, it's all Skittles and rainbows and everything's getting better. And there are people who are mad. They say, oh, Tim's always so pessimistic about things. And I'm like, what, what am I supposed to talk about? Am I supposed to ignore this? Am I supposed to say that things are getting better? We got another report from TimCast.com that Apple is closing, you know, 16 or stores or whatever. Sure. I can talk about what's going on in red states and say out here, things seem to be fine. Blue states see, uh, seem to be getting a whole lot worse. So I don't know. What, I don't know what to tell you. You know, there's a lot of people who expect they, 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 they just want good news. They want political news, but they want it to always be a good thing. Meanwhile, bad things keep happening. Suppose I could just stop talking about the decay and the rot at the core of, say, the NYPD, New York City and these blue states. And then we could all go on our merry lives with blinders on and just ignore the problems that are happening around us. Suppose we could launch a pop culture channel or a vlog to try and balance out the constant, I don't know, pessimism. No, I really mean it. Look, this video is, is, is uh, I have this video up from Instagram. It's from Lexit Movement, Latino Exit from the Democratic Party. And they're showing what appears to be a small child and the police. And you've got what's called NYPD Taru, Technical Assistance Response Unit, filming as they're being evicted from none other than Applebee's. It appears to be the same Applebee's, I believe it is, where several protesters tried to eat and were kicked out. Now, the Timcast crew is currently doing some digging and some fact checking, some journalism to figure out what's going on. And it appears the child was not part of any protest. This was a, a family of individuals that had just come in for food. They had no idea what was going on. Many don't know about these vaccine mandates. Well, here's the news. I, I, look, you can see the video and, and, and I'll make the point about the NYPD as well. You can see this woman. They don't know what's going on. We've had people on, on Timcast IRL talk about how the NYPD is not really enforcing these lockdowns and restrictions. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And you need to understand the importance of this video before we get into all this news, because I want to shout out Michael Malice, as we often do. Michael Malice has a quote, and I think you should uh, take it to heart. There is no law so obscene that the police would not be willing to enforce it up to and including the mass execution of innocent children. Michael Malice on the Waco siege, Twitter, 2021. Now, Michael Malice has made this quote on many different issues related to, to, to similar things. But you take a look at what happened in Waco. You take a look at the firebombing of a house with children inside of it. And then you have to realize that uh, Michael's correct. 
A lot of people on the right, a lot of conservatives don't want to accept it. A lot of people on the right have been saying back the blue, but we're starting to see that change. And this is why I've been saying abolish the police. Now, I'll stress the point. Um, I think the, the concept of a police department works. A corrupt culture in decay, it doesn't. It just doesn't. And this is exactly what I was warning about. If you have a year's advance notice that police will stomp your face in over these restrictions, then you were given advanced warning. Abolish the police now before they come and they demand papers from your five-year-old child. So I'm not going to pretend like what we're seeing in this Applebee's is on the same level as Waco. But I do think it's fair to point out that Michael Malice was uh, not wrong because he was just basing his statement off of Waco. Or at the very least, whatever a statement may be based on, we have seen this, the, these things happen with Waco. Now, there are a lot of people who don't like the, the vaccines and are, are you skeptical and all that stuff. I'm not here to argue science with you guys. Uh, about efficacy or anything like that. I can tell you about shutdowns. I can tell you that they're already doing four vaccines in Israel. But I can say, ultimately, it's your choice with your doctor. Now, hold on there a minute. There is something that needs to be said, though. What, do you have, what if you have a medical condition? What if you have uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome, which uh, uh, prohibits you from getting the vaccine? And we've seen this with individuals like Pete Parada, formerly of The Offspring. What if you go to the doctor and they say, no, now you can't go to Applebee's anymore. And what's, what, what that means is these police officers, while not directly causing harm to that child in terms of what, what a vaccine could do to someone with a medical condition, they're outright saying, you have no rights. We have something called the Americans with Disabilities Act. We have the story from TimCast.com. NYC requires children 5 to 11 to be fully vaccinated to eat in public. Now that, fully vaccinated? Yo, I hope you guys over at uh, TimCast got this right, because last I heard it was one shot, not two. But I don't know what fully vaccinated means anymore because they keep changing. But I, I will make this point. There can be a child who cannot get this and the police don't care. They will say, get out, get out or else. We saw it in this video. Now we have this report. The expanded key to NYC guidelines have now impacted families in the city and tourists coming to experience the Big Apple. On Monday, New York City cha- uh, changed for children's five. Uh, New York City changed for children five uh, uh, ages five to eleven years old. They are now required to show proof of a COVID vaccine to enjoy most public activities. I think the headline may be wrong. I think it's one dose, but let's read. They're going to say New York City's key to NYC vaccine mandate expanded to children under twelve. Children ages five and up now need to prove they received at least one dose of the COVID vaccine to enter most businesses in the city. This restriction includes restaurants, theaters, gyms, and more. So that is a fact check, TimCast.com. Fully vaccinated typically refers to two vaccines. Children need one. Not that I'm saying it's a good thing. The rule also expanded Monday to require anyone over the age of 12 to show proof of a complete two-dose vaccine. You see, there's the difference. The headline says five to 11. I want to be make, I want to make sure we get the facts right here. We are in and we'll issue a correction as soon as I get a chance to message the crew. We are in New York for another week, and it's going to be a real pain not being allowed to eat in restaurants. Eric St. Martin, a tourist who was turned away from the Hard Rock Cafe with his seven year old daughter, told the New York Post, we didn't know about the vaccine mandate for kids when we booked our family holiday months ago. On December 6th, Mayor Bill de Blasio announced that all children 12 enough must be fully vaccinated to enter. And you need one dose for 5 to 11. 
We want to protect everyone, Mayor Bill de Blasio said Monday. We want to protect our youngest New Yorkers. We know Omicron had a lot of impact on younger folks. We know we need a whole family to be safe. And if the youngest kids are safe, that also helps protect our seniors. The new mandate was in full force as of Monday throughout the city. Christina Myers, a host at the Margaritaville Resort Times Square, said she turned away more than 20 would-be diners by midday. They can eat outside, but who is going to eat outside with five and six-year-old kids in this weather? She told the New York Post. According to the National Weather Service, temperatures in the city topped out at 38 degrees. I tell you this, my friends who are listening. If you live in the New York area, start making phone calls. It's really, really simple. I'll tell you, man, the, the impact was amazing. It's interesting. I called around 25 restaurants and I asked, um, you know, I have a friend who is unable to get the vaccine due to a medical condition. Would we still be allowed to eat there? And they said no. But the desperation, you could hear it. Many of these restaurants said, you can still eat outside. We'll, we'll serve you on the patio. And I was just like, nobody, no, we're not going to eat outside. I'm not going to have my friend with a medical condition forced to eat outside. And they were like, well, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. And then at one, one restaurant, I said, this is a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And they said, you know, someone got on the phone and they just hung up on me or whatever. So, so someone else picked up the phone and told me to screw off or something like that. So if people start calling these restaurants and start telling them, no, we won't do this. Look, I don't care if you got the vaccine or don't get the vaccine. That's your, your personal issue. But this is just wrong. We're at the point now where I think the biggest issue is papers, please. The police going to a child and saying, show us your papers. And this is acceptable to these people. You know, what, man, we had uh, Mark Lobliner on the uh, on the show last night. He's the guy who does his Tiger Fitness. He's on uh, on Twitter. And he was just saying why he said, why aren't people mad about the same things I'm mad about? And I'm like, that's a really good question. It is. When you see a five year old police being called and demanding the papers. You know, what's really fascinating is that some of these people live in the New York Metro. This is what's crazy to me. I think we have it here. They can eat, uh, eat outside. According to the National Weather Service, blah, blah, blah. Foreigners don't understand why we had to turn them away. Even people from Union City in New Jersey were confused, she said. I lived in Union City. Right across the, uh, I think, what is it? The Lincoln Tunnel? I can't remember which one. I lived uh, in Union City. It's uh, a few miles north, you know, northwest of Hoboken, uh, Hoboken, just west of Manhattan. It's a very uh, Latino neighborhood. Very, very much so. Um, Cuban, Dominican, Puerto Rican. I used to get uh, chicharrones, I think it's called, like fried pork, pork belly. Oh, man, is that stuff good. And a lot of these people, you know, they're English second language. It's a, it's a Latino neighborhood. It's a Hispanic neighborhood. These people are going to come into New York completely confused. It's seriously one bus. You get on the bus, it brings you right downtown or to Manhattan, to Manhattan. I think to uh, um, 32nd or something like that. But you hop on a bus and boom, you're there. These people are going to be confused, denied service, and it's going to be mostly minorities. So you, you, you tell me how this makes sense for any one of these lefties that are talking about, you know, uh, uh, critical race theory. You've got the black and Latino community being barred, and that's okay. You've got people with medical disabilities. I don't know, man. I want to stress this point before we, we expand upon what's going on. I want to stress the point that police officers walked into an Applebee's, apparently the same Applebee's where people have been protesting, and they surrounded a booth of the child and it filming him, multiple officers armed, saying, papers, please. And when the family says we don't have them, they said, get out. It's funny. We're not talking about citizenship or anything like that. 
We're talking about trying to go to a restaurant and having the police demand your ID card. If that's the city you want to live in, fine. I left. I left a long time ago. I could see this coming and boy, was I glad I am. I glad I left. I lived in uh, I lived all over the New York, but the last place I lived was in Brooklyn. Somebody executed two cops. You may have heard the story. It was over on like Myrtle and uh, Nostrand around there. Myrtle and Tompkins, I think, or whatever. So I left. I said, this is getting crazy. I moved to Union City. Well, first I went to Florida. I was in Miami for a year, came back, went to Union City and said, you know, because I was working for Fusion. And then I was like, I'm not going to go to the city proper. I'm going to go outside the city because of how crazy things are getting. Then bombs were planted. No joke. Bombs. Manhattan, I think it was on 25th Street and in Jersey City. And I was like, I don't want to be up here. So I moved further south to Bayonne. And I was like, it's, you know, it's still in the metro. If I want to go to the city, I can eh, I move away from everything. And I could just see the, the protests getting worse. I could just see the, the political escalation. I could just see the conflict and crisis across this country. And I thought the last place you'll want to be is New York City. So I moved to South Jersey, the Philadelphia suburbs. And this is all over the course of a couple of years. And then the lockdowns happened. And I just said, you know what? It's time to get away from cities in general. These, you know, people who live in cities, they're crazy. I saw the rioting. The lockdowns and the rioting, and that was it for me. I mean, when, 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 the, when the rioters crossed the bridge, I'm, I'm getting out of here, man. Now we're in West Virginia. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Because I'd rather be surrounded by trees with some property and just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lot cheaper to have more land and get away from the crisis because you want to live in these big cities. You want to, and, and people are buying up these properties like crazy. It's nuts. You want to, not, not in cities, but outside of them, slightly outside like suburbs. You, you buy this house, you've got a house literally 10 feet from your house. What do you think happens when people start rioting? No. Where I am now, we're, we, we're, we're setting up the new facility. We got 50 acres and I'm just saying, get away from the cities. Now I will tell you this. I think I chose the right state to be in, West Virginia. There's that chart I mentioned the other day where people are fleeing California, Illinois, New York, and they're, and they're heading to Florida and Texas. West Virginia is not seeing that large of a population growth. It's actually right in the middle. There's a slight growth of like a few thousand people or whatever, whereas California saw hundreds of thousands flee. And I'm like, that's probably the right choice. You got it. You got some growth, but not too much. Let everybody go to Florida and overdevelop and crowd. And sure, West Virginia, still fairly open. You got It's just you got to be responsible for yourselves, man. The lockdowns are coming. Okay. And, and, and I'll say this, yesterday on Timcast IRL, Luke Rudkowski, he was saying he thinks that COVID's over. He thinks that with Omicron being mild and everybody getting it, it's going to result in people just saying, fine. He said the Democrats are going to realize they can't win on, on lockdowns. So they're going to say, we've done it. COVID is finally over. We've solved the problem. And that'll happen just before the elections. And you know what? That's a really good point. I think Luke might be right about that. I really, really do. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because there's other things to consider. But I think it's a good point. Democrats know they can't win on these policies. If Republicans run as a return to normalcy candidates, well, then people are going to say, I like a return to normalcy. I'm sick of the lockdowns. We don't want to deal with this. It's a good point. 
It is. But we also have this from TimCast.com. Apple closes 16 stores in New York City citing COVID concerns. We also have this, this story from ConchoValleyHomepage.com. And, and, and believe it or not, yes, it's a crazy name, but NewsGuard certified. NHL shuts down seventh team, stops all cross-border games over COVID. It could be that the night is always darkest before the dawn. Could be that Luke made a really good point and he's right. Democrats would, would be crazy if they, if they try to run on lockdowns. Right now, it is, uh, there's one poll out that says independents favor Republicans two to one. How are you going to win those people back? Well, perhaps here's what's happening. They're going to lock us down and make sure everybody feels that pain. They're going to they're gonna walk up to children and demand their papers. And then once people finally ha- have enough, because Democrats are in power right now, they will swoop in and say, enough. We are the heroes who will save you from this tyranny. And they'll shut it all down. The lockdowns, I mean. They'll reverse the shutdowns. And then they'll say, now that everything's back to normal, let's get back on track. I'm not convinced it'll work because, it, you know, I, I, I appreciate the point, but I don't think undoing what you did will convince people to change their minds. I really don't. It could defang Republicans who say we'll reopen things because the Democrats will be like, we already did. Everything we did worked. We stopped the crisis. But is that going to be enough for people to vote Democrat? I do not believe so. So that's why I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that will be how things will play out, that, that, that you know, that that'll be what happens when you take a look at what's going on with the shutting down of stores in New York City, with the children having their, you know, the cops demanding papers of children, NHL shutting down all these teams. We've got Israel calling. I love this. Reuters says Israeli hospital launches first test of second booster. Yeah, that means the fourth shot. Israel is, is upgrading to four shots. You've got more calls for more boosters. Three is apparently not going to be enough. They're going to say more. Why would this just end? Because I think about it. If the Democrats end it, what do they gain? I don't think they gain anything. They don't. I think, I mean, maybe it's less of a negative. Republic, they, they, they potentially gain, um, like I said, defanging Republican arguments. But I'm sorry, man. I, I, I just, I just, I, I don't see it. I do not see there being a reason for Democrats to relinquish this power. It's going to have to be, it's going to have to be, taken from them by force. So if I'm going to talk about anything optimistic, it's going to be this. The primaries are starting soon for Republicans and Democrats. You need to vote in your primaries, Democrat and Republican. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican or otherwise. Vote in your primaries. Incumbents, establishment, gone. Vote them out. And then if you do, oh, and don't forget, vote local, city council, school board, county sheriff, whatever, whatever, governor, state senator, state reps, vote local. But you vote in those primaries. And I'll tell you what, if you can take control of your house, Senate and representative, uh, your, your, your state houses, then there could be a convention of states. I don't know, maybe not a good thing, but certainly a way to force change. Maybe you get an amendment on term limits and all of a sudden all the incumbents are forced out. How about that? I don't know if term limits are right, but what do you, wouldn't that be amazing? You get a convention of states, new amendment, term limits, two. All of a sudden, the entirety of Congress would be forced out and you'd get new people. And I don't know if that's the right way to go, though, because then you just get shadow campaigns, you know, choosing their candidates or whatever. Not like you, you don't already, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It would be nice to, to diminish the ability of people like Pelosi to become worth millions, hundreds of millions of dollars trading stocks while she's in office. 
So maybe term limits really do make sense. Well, Convention of States can do that. That's where I see the optimism. You vote in the primaries, you get populists in, be it left or right, whatever. You get the, the, the establishment elites out. You get the warmongers out. You vote and you're at the state level. You get a convention of states and we make some real change and boom, we win. The people win. The corrupt elites are running the show. They would have the police come and demand your papers. Policing, that's an idea. Not all bad. No, I'm sorry. I'm not an anarchist. Um, I think that it can work, but there has to be scruples. There has to be a community. We have to have shared morals. I tell you this, man, in small towns, because I've lived in small towns, you know the cops, you know their names, you know their dads, you know their brothers and wives, and they're genuinely trying to keep the peace. In big cities, it is chaos. They don't know you. They don't care about you. They would come and they would kick out a five-year-old child for not having his papers. So as an idea, policing can work. But in big cities where no one has any shared values, it doesn't work. Hey, multiculturalism, huh? I think the idea of diversity, real diversity, is important. You cannot have everyone walking in lockstep believing the same thing because then you get tyranny. You you do. This is what it looks like in New York City. When everybody just blindly obeys, you get people standing by watching as the police do these things. But when people challenge and there's decentralized power, but we have a shared sense of morality, that's something different. So the issue I see is when you have this idea of diversity and it's diversity of moral framework, you're in trouble. When it's diversity of opinion and diversity of power structures, you have a good thing. Now, there's a fine line between moral frameworks and opinions, but I'll give you a simple way to understand this. It used to be that we would argue about abortion because we had very similar moral frameworks in this country, but a different, uh, we differed on when and how these, these things should be allowed. On the left today, there is a, uh, the moral framework of the left or lack thereof is diametrically opposed to that of traditional American values on the right, in which case it's people who don't care about you you're an other. And the police, they feel no pain. They feel no regret when they do this to children because they don't care. You're not a part of their system or tribe. They're marching in lockstep without scruples. It should be that a police officer looks at the child and says, hey, man, I don't know about this, man. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this. They don't. With a smile on their face, they walk in there filming and they say, get out unless you got your papers. Your papers? Sorry. I'm not, I don't want to be overly pessimistic. This is bad stuff, right? But if you get out and vote locally and in the primaries, this will be done by November. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The controversy surrounding transgender swimmer Leah Thomas is escalating after a USA swimming official has resigned and now issued a statement saying that biological males, this transgender swimmer, Competing against women is destroying the sport. We also have a former Olympic athlete coming out and saying this is a very serious problem. But I have to be honest, this is an issue that's been happening for quite some time now. I mean, I can go back 10 years to the Joe Rogan episode where he talked about Fallon Fox. It's been something we've long talked about. And still to this day, the same exact stories are emerging. A couple of years ago, I was doing a story about transgender runners, born male, competing against females and winning. I don't think there's going to be an easy solution to this. 
And I think that legal precedent is on the side of the transgender swimmers. Unless there is going to be some legislative change, I will break down for you exactly why I think the law is on the side of the transgender swimmers. Now, I think culturally, we understand why there are different different uh, leagues between men and women. Men tend to be uh, taller, tend to have more muscle mass. Women tend to be smaller, shorter arms, all that stuff. And that has a huge impact on swimming. So pronounced, in fact, that Leah Thomas destroyed the competition by over 38 seconds. And that's what led to this big controversy. I do find it kind of crazy that we're at a point where we're actually having a debate over whether or not we should separate males from females in sports. But right now, what you need to consider is that the 1964 Civil Rights Act says you cannot discriminate on the basis of sex. And thus, you're going to see more of this. On what grounds can they create a division just for women? Let me explain before we get into all the news and break this down. Because you're going to hear an argument from an Olympic swimmer who is doing a half argument against transgender, uh, uh, transgender individuals competing. What you need to understand is, in some circumstances, there have been lawsuits saying that you cannot discriminate on the basis of sex. So a women's only coding group at college is discriminatory. But what judges have ruled is that so long as there is an equal men's only, then you are not discriminating. The idea being that as long as everyone's getting equal treatment, the problem there is that essentially argues separate but equal. There's a there's a female bathroom and a male bathroom separated but the same. In fact, they're not the same. Female bathrooms, women's women's rooms, they tend not they don't have urinals. They have more stalls. Well, hold on there a minute. Is that fair to men? Men got to take dumps too. So shouldn't they get an equal number of stalls? You see, they're different. They're not equal. And thus, we're entering this area of the civil rights movement. Everything's being reduced to a very fine point that's going to be uh, argued legislatively. And then I don't know how you argue uh, uh, for women's only divisions. I mean, we, we can talk about the very simple colloquial and, and cultural understanding of men tend to be larger, women tend to be smaller, that I get. But there is no men's only division. There is a division for men and women. It just so happens to be that women tend not to qualify for it. And the division only for women, which means there is no equal right to males. And thus you end up with this problem. But let's read the story here and see what's going on with Leah Thomas and an official saying that this individual is destroying the sport. The Daily Mail reports the statement, the statement for women is you do not matter. USA swimming official who resigned in protest of trans athlete Leah Thomas says she is destroying women's swimming. Cynthia Millen stood down last week after working for the presiding body for more than three decades, saying she could no longer participate in a sport that allows biological men to complete com- to compete against women. Thomas, 22, who previously competed as a man at the University of Pennsylvania for two full seasons, is now dominating the women's field and smashing records. NCAA rules mean she can participate because she takes testosterone suppressing drugs. Now, this is what I want to talk about uh, when I mentioned a half argument. This Olympic athlete, I'm going to pull up in a second, says, so long as you can prove you don't have male puberty advantages, then you're fine to compete. That's a half measure. Prenatal testosterone affects the development of fast twitch or slow twitch muscles. That means a baby in the womb that is getting more testosterone is going to have advantages over a baby that is not. Plus, if 
two humans, a male and a female, go through puberty. And it's, it's kind of mind-numbing to even bring this up because I think most of you know this already, but I'll say it for, you know, for the sake of those who might not. When a male and a woman, a, man, a male and a female go through puberty, females develop wider hips, males develop broader shoulder, a soldier, a shoulders, soldiers, changing their center of gravity. That has a huge impact. Height, muscle mass, bone density, skin, collagen in the skin. These affect everything. A male who undergoes testosterone suppression or hormone therapy will never lose these advantages. Quote, it's horrible, Millen told Fox News last night. The statement for women, Nanan, is you do not matter. What you do is not important, and little girls are going to be thrown under the bus by all of this. He's going to be destroying women's swimming. She explained that from a young age, girls and boys do not compete against each other because males have physiological advantages, which are only accentuated through puberty. Quote, the fact is that swimming is a sport in which bodies compete against bodies. Identities do not complete compete against identities, Millen said. Men are different from women. Men's swimmers are different from women, and they will always be faster than women. That is really, really fascinating. Bodies compete against bodies. Identities do not compete against identities. That's really well put. I got to be honest. Now, again, I'll stress. Leah Thomas is following the rules. Leah, I believe the law is going to be on Leah Thomas, Leah Thomas's side, whether you like it or not. I'm not arguing, arguing that it's right or wrong. I'm simply saying, wait till we get to wait, wait till I show you the, the legal breakdown of this. Now, this is uh, Millen goes on to say this is the official. Boys will always have larger lung capacity, larger hearts, greater circulation, a bigger skeleton, and less fat. Girls go through puberty and they have a double whammy. They not only grow breasts and hips, but they have periods and they often have a totally different sense of gravity and have to learn to swim over again. That's really, really interesting. One of the things that I've researched when it comes to skateboarding is I wondered why there were differences between, say, ollie height, uh, jump, jump height and skateboarding, and the skills between men, males and females. If you watch pro skateboarding, a male and female are, it is so obvious the difference in skill. You don't need to be a skateboarder to understand it. Now, if I watch two women, two females compete in, say, tennis, I honestly, I, I can't tell you. I, I don't know. I don't play tennis. I don't know much about it. I don't know anything about tennis. So I see people running back and forth, hitting the tennis ball back and forth. When I watch men and women compete, I don't really notice much of a difference. I'm sure if you play tennis, you can see it. Now, skateboarding, it's actually fairly obvious. It is extremely obvious. And I've brought this up before. I think it was an 11-year-old boy who landed the first 1080, three full rotations. It was an 11-year-old boy. Now, there certainly are women who are extremely talented at skateboarding and females who are extremely talented. I want to make sure I'm, I'm differentiating properly. But the skill gap between the best males and the best females is so massive. And I mean this with no disrespect and no judgment. It just is. But I wondered about this and I learned a few things. There's something called a Q angle. This is, I believe it's the angle of the, fem uh, of the femur bone to the hips. Men having narrow hip, narrower hips, their femurs tend to be at a, slow, a, a, a smaller angle, a, a less pronounced angle. And women with wider angles, you have the hips and then you have their legs coming in. This means that when jumping and landing, there's, they're, they're more prone to knee, ankle, and hip injuries than a male would be. Additionally, because of the wider hips and small and less broad shoulders, uh, center of gravity tends to be lower, which can be really good for balance, but is not good for jump height. 
There's something interesting I didn't realize. When it comes to jumping, and I could be wrong about this because I'm not going to pretend to be like a, a, doc, a scientist or anything, but what I read was that men naturally carrying the center of gravity higher means that when they jump, their center of gravity is much higher, and so they can pull their legs up to their center of gravity, giving them more clearance. Not that they're necessarily jumping higher, but that they can clear a lot more space. And this may explain why uh, women, aside from being smaller, don't jump or ollie as high in skateboarding. Now, these things are true to, to uh, in a general sense. They're not absolute. There are certainly many females who can ollie really high, but they're typically nowhere near the height of males. Interestingly, I will say, one of the one of the things that needs to be brought up, and I think it's, it's really important because I'll stress it again, is Millen saying identities do not compete against identities. Maybe that's a solution. Maybe we don't have uh, we, we, we don't have people who are trans competing in biological divisions. Maybe you have a biological division and an identity division. I, I mean that I mean that in all, in all honesty. Millen said that no matter how much testosterone suppressing drugs Thomas takes, he will always have a bio, he will always be a biological male and have this advantage. Thomas recently wiped the floor at the women's swimming event at the Zippy Invitational at Akron, smashing two U.S. records. Now, it, it, they, they're going to point out Thomas romped a victory in the 500-yard freestyle, setting a new U.S. record with four minutes, 34 seconds, finishing 14 seconds ahead of Callendays. And in the 200-yard freestyle, she finished one minute, 41, 93, seven seconds ahead of her nearest rival, giving her the fastest female U.S. time ever for that race, too. When I was watching the race and I saw Leah going like lapping the competition, I was confused because I didn't know which way people were supposed to be swimming because Thomas was swimming so fast that they were crossing paths. With, uh, Leah was crossing paths with, with, their, with their competition. Now, look, I think Leah followed all the rules. That's a fact. And you don't got to like the rules. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying people are not paying attention to this stuff. They're not paying attention to what's going on in New York. They're not standing up for themselves. They're not standing up for their kids. They thought they could send their kids to institutionalized learning facilities, not pay attention to what was happening, and everything would be fine. I was talking to some boomers recently, and I was like, at some point, y'all just thought you won or something. Like, imagine you're playing a game of basketball against a bunch of people, and you're 10 points up, so you just slam the ball down, sit down, and start going on your phone. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, whoa, whoa, I'm 10 points down. I was winning. It's like, yo, you stopped playing. They got complacent. They stopped paying attention to what was going on at these schools. They stopped going to these meetings, stopped fighting for what they believed in. And things changed. Now we have this story from swimmingworldmagazine.com. Olympic champion, women's sports advocate, Nancy Hogshead McCarr details issues with Leah Thomas situation. They say Nancy Hogshead McCarr knows all about being a champion in the pool and championing the rights of female athletes, a four-time medalist at the 1984 Olympic Games in LA. Hogshead Makar has long fought for equality in women's sports and is head of the Champion, women's, which, uh, champion Women, which advocates for girls and women, women in sports. The interesting thing is, she says, I swam on the U.S. national team for nine years, the same years that East German swimmers dominated women's competitions by cheating with anabolic steroids. I was able to win three Olympic gold medals and a silver medal because the East Germans boycotted the 1984 Los Angeles Olympic Games. This is interesting. Now, I was too young for this, but taking steroids, they're effectively giving females in the Soviet in East Germany steroids to make them super big and ripped so they would win. And people were like, hey, that's not fair. Look, 
if you want to be the best, some people have argued this. How about we just tell athletes they can do whatever they want to their bodies and then just let everyone go nuts with it? People will be hopped up on all the craziest pills and steroids and cybernetic enhancements. Maybe we need a division for that. If you want to permanently all permanently and irrevoc- irrevocably alter your body so that you can run faster, jump higher, swim faster, whatever. All right. Why don't we have that division? I mean it sincerely. Why don't we have that? What we have right now is sports based upon biology. It's, are you born the fastest? Do you have longer arms? Do you have more muscle mass? And did you train the hardest? It is not. It is not about training the hardest. That's a component of it. But I was watching something on Michael Phelps, and they said the reason he's able to swim so fast and win so much is because he has a slightly longer arm span for his body or whatever, and larger muscles, and he's very tall and and, and all that stuff. I don't know, whatever. But maybe that's what people wanted in competition. Are you the best of the best of the best in terms of your willingness to train and your biology? Because there are certainly people who are tall and strong, but who don't care to swim and don't swim and don't become the best. So why don't we then have an identity division? Like uh, Millen was, was saying, why don't we then have an enhancements division? Sure, why not? People can choose what they want to do. Right now, so long as we only have these two basic divisions that don't account for enhancements or, or body changes, you're going to get stories like this. But here's where I want, I want to put some, I'll put forward why I think the law is actually, Leah Thomas has the law on, on, on their side. This uh, Nancy Hogshead McCarr, the Olympic medalist, says, Title IX of the federal law that prohibits sexual discrimination permits sex segregation in sports, which means that for the most part, men compete against men and women compete against women. Title IX gave me a fair opportunity to win and set records, as well as access to money, accolades, and leadership opportunities. If Congress and courts had forbidden segregation in sports the way race and religious segregation is prohibited, I would have qualified for my high school team, but I'd never have won the Hall of Famer, have been the Hall of Famer that I became. So right now, what I mean when I say the law is on the side of Leah Thomas is that there is a strong argument that if you can't discriminate on the basis of sex, you can't bar a transgender person from competing in any division they want, so long as they qualify and meet those standards. Now, of course, as uh, we understand it, Title IX is actually, was, has actually been used to protect women over men in many circumstances. This is where things start to become murky and muddy, and I'm not going to pretend to be a legal scholar on this. But Title IX was cited uh, to uh, ad nauseum when when women were complaining that there was assault on campuses and they weren't being treated fairly. And this resulted in many young men being falsely accused in high profile stories, kicked out of schools over a preponderance of evidence, not definitive proof, not reasonable doubt, just literally like, well, you know what? You're at a party and she says you did it. So you did it. Get out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's what Title IX was doing. Here's the issue I have. If people are going to argue that Title IX also means that men must be protected, then we have this clash when it comes to segregation in sports. There is technically a men's division, and I'm not sure how it works with, maybe I could be, I could be getting this wrong. I'm not sure how it works with college sports. 
But typically in major league sports, college sports may actually be gender segregated, gender segregated specifically. In major league sports, women are allowed to compete and enter. Men are not allowed to enter women's sports. So this is where everything starts getting murky and we get this clash. I'm not going to pretend this is the apocalypse, though. I think it just needs to be litigated and then we work through it. Ultimately, however, I don't see how you can have Title IX and the 1964 Civil Rights Act, Title VII, and bar someone based on their biological sex. I, I, I don't see how you do it or their identity. Culturally, we get it. And this is the point that I make very often, that culturally, uh, we enforce things or don't enforce things. Laws are irrelevant. We can have a law on the books and we may then enforce it if the culture is willing to. But we have many laws in the books that are old and archaic that we don't enforce. So this I see going one direction. Nancy Hogsmeade McCarr says trans women should compete with biological women, women so long as they can demonstrate that they have lost their sex linked male puberty advantage prior to competition in the wins category. And that is impossible. Now, she says Leah Thomas cannot make that demonstration. While she's apparently been complying with NCAA rules requiring hormone therapy for over two and a half years now, she is still competing in an unfair advantage. How do we know? The average differential in the men's and women's A standard times for NCAA championship qualification is 11.41%. Meaning the women, women's times are 11% slower than the men's qualification times. About the same differential occurs if you're looking at almost any group of swimmers, swimming records or qualification times between men and women including regional swimming, we get it. So uh, the gaps between men and women are generally larger in the sprints than they are in the long distance events. So how big is that 11% advantage in swimming times for male swimmers? Enormous. To put in perspective, Olympic superstar Michael Phelps held just a 0.08% of an advantage over his US teammate and rival Ian Crocker in the 2004 Olympics. But Phelps held a 12.62% advantage over the women's gold medalist, Australian Petria Thomas, more so than the average. That Leah Thomas, however, is not 11% slower. She's only 2.6% slower than she was pre-transition in the 200-yard freestyle. So what we're getting right now from this Olympic, uh, uh, former Olympic athlete or Olympic athlete, Olympic gold medalist, is that so long as, as someone is slower, none of this makes sense. I'm sorry. None of that makes sense. And it just says to me that the future, unless there are some real, there's some real litigation and legislative changes, the future will be more transgender males competing against females, but not the other way around. We are not going to see transgender uh, uh, biological females becoming ma- uh, becoming men transitioning to become uh, compete in the men's division. I don't I don't see that happening, and for a lot of reasons. She goes on to say that it's not fair. It's not fair. Sure, but I I, I don't think it matters. There needs to be, uh, I suppose, if you really want to keep the biological sexes segregated, then there has to be a law stating, you know, or, or, or something specific stating that this division is for biological females only. I don't see how you do that the way things are going. Maybe, maybe the, the right actually mobilizes, maybe parents start standing up, but you got to understand how few people know and care about this stuff. You got to be honest. The reason it's happening and it's been happening for 10 years or longer, to be honest. It's because nobody knows, nobody cares. Now, certainly you have officials, you have experts, you have medalists coming out and saying these changes, there must be changes to this, but you're going to get the left. You're going to get the family and friends of Leah Thomas saying no. So what happens then? Well, Leah Thomas is following the rules. 
parents could have been involved in school board meetings. They weren't. And, and, and people come to me saying, like, how are they supposed to know? No, 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 no. How are they supposed to know? There are currently people serving on, on school boards, serving at these universities. They know. Why is it that when it comes to institutional power, for some reason, moderates, independents, libertarians, conservatives just don't know about it? But the left does? I'm sorry. That's because the left is paying attention. It's because they're getting active and they're fighting for the causes they want. At a certain point, all of us in whatever space this is stopped paying attention. Sat down in the middle of the ball game, thinking we got this in the bag. We don't got to do anything. And then before we knew it, we are 10 points down. That's the point. So if you want to see these changes, you got to go run for the school board. You got to get active. You've got to cha- challenge the rules. But for the time being, Leah Thomas is following all the rules. Now, of course, this Nancy uh, uh, Hogshead McCarr is advocating for a rule change. Okay, by all means, advocate for the rule change. You have this other individual, this official stepping down. That just likely means a left leftist official will step up. So long as this is the case, I don't see this going the other direction. I'm not saying it's pessimism. I'm not saying to be pessimistic or optimistic. I'm just saying this is what seems to be happening. Are people going to stand up and wake up? I really do not believe so. Again, not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just saying, you'd think after 10 years, after 10 years, you know, Joe Rogan, the biggest podcast in the world, talks about Fallon Fox and the MMA shattering, breaking a woman's skull. Fallon Fox was the biological uh, born male transgender woman competing against other uh, females and dominating, not always winning. I think uh, Fallon Fox lost once due to grappling, and Joe Rogan brings that up. Like you can, you know, women can put a man in submission, but striking power and reach and all that stuff is greatly increased for biological males. That was that was almost ten years ago, wasn't it? So where are people to speak up and pay attention to what's going on? You're not. If people aren't going to pay attention, they're going to lose. If you are standing on a battlefield and there's an ideological war going on, and the other side is running to claim the center of the field and hold their ground, and you sit down and twiddle your thumbs you will lose. So what can you do? Well, I tell you this, man. Vote in your local elections. Vote in the primaries. Talk to your friends. Share videos like this and express your opinions. I'm not going to tell you what's right or wrong. I got to be honest. I think for the most part, the sporting rules are arbitrary. Why do you have to wear this or that? Why Why did we build the pools this way? Why isn't it five 5,000 yards? Why isn't it 525 yards? Why do we have these specific rules? We made them up and then set standards by which everyone competes. We're now navigating those standards as we have changes in our society. And if you want to see changes, you need to be active. So I'll tell you this, my friends. The left is active. They are organized. And the right isn't. And the moderates aren't. The independents aren't. So let me show you one thing. One one, one thing really quickly. From TimCast.com. Majority of Americans agree there are only two genders. Yeah? Yeah. Is that surprising to anybody? No. But this also means the majority of people are not active in politics. They're not speaking up at school meetings. They're not getting active at their universities. They're not taking these jobs. I don't know what they're doing, but they're not here. And if that's the case, these changes will happen unless you stand up and say, hey, maybe we don't want changes like this. It's going to be up to you. It's going to be up to you to stand up, speak up. Otherwise, there's no real point in being mad. I'm not, I'm not salty about any of this. I see these females who are competing. They don't speak up. This is what I said last time. A few of these female swimmers have spoken up saying this is wrong. Okay, with respect, I hear you. But what about the hundreds, the thousands, the tens of thousands, others who aren't speaking up? I can only assume they're not mad about it. 
So far be it from me to get salty over something I'm not involved in and that people mostly don't care about. So I'll say this to you. If you do care about this, look around and try and figure out how many people actually care. Because I got to tell you, it seems like not that many, not enough to speak up and say they don't like it. In fact, most people speaking up say they like the changes. You get the point. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Yeah, that's where it is. I'm tired. Holiday limbo week. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.